Welcome. Uh, this week we do Pashas Vayikra. Um, next week is Purim. So I was thinking that I would say something about Purim next week. Um, it comes just in the right time, Purim, because Vayikra and Tzav and these early Pashas in Vayikra are very challenging. <laughs> so so if, uh, if I could spend a little part of the time to speak about Purim, it's very helpful. But this week I would also like to say something which is relates to Purim a little bit, but is not actually the central the central Purim. But uh, we'll get to that afterwards. First, I want to say something about the Parsha. So the first Pasuk in the Parsha um, says like this. The Rabban Shalom called out to Moshe, Vaydaber Hashem Elov. And Rabban Shalom spoke to him. So Rashi says, Elov. What does Elov mean? It says Hashem called Moshe, and Hashem spoke to him. So we know he spoke to Moshe. What is being added by saying he spoke to him? So Rashi, Elov, Lemayit es Aaron. That he spoke to Moshe and not to Aaron. Rabbi Yudu Mseira Oimer said, Rabbi Yudu Mseira said, Yud Gimel Dibrois Nemru Betoira Lamoishal Aaron. Thirteen times it says in the Torah, Vaidaber Hashem El Moshe Vel Aaron. Says both of them. Ukonegdom Nemru Yud Gimel Miyutim Lamedcha to teach you, Shaloila Aaron Nemru El Lamoishal Shayomel Aaron. When it says, Vaidaber Hashem El Moshe Vel Aaron, it says thirteen times, and 13 miyutim uh, uh, in other places. And these tell you that when it says that Rabban Shalom spoke to Moshe and Aaron, it means he spoke to Moshe, that Moshe should speak to Aaron. So, so the 13 miyutim are against the 13 places where it says, and tells you that's not what it means. It means that he spoke to Moshe and Moshe was, spoke to sp- was supposed to speak to Aaron. Question is, um, you know, we find different places in the Torah. I only marked two places, but uh, there, there are many places that it says, I can, in next week's parish, it says, Vaydaber Hashem al Moshe Lamar, Daber al Aaron Velbon of Lamar. So the Pasuk says very clearly, the Baruch Shalom spoke to Moshe and told him he should speak to Aaron. And then in Pasha's Nasa, we have the very famous one which is familiar to everybody from Birchas HaToyra, Vaydaber Hashem al Moshe Lamar, Daber al Aaron ve'albon of Lamar, Kais Baruchus Bnei Yisrael. The Baruch Shalom spoke to Moshe and he told him he should speak to Aaron. So when the Torah does that, the Torah does say, that when, when the Ban Shalom speaks to Moshe and tells him to speak to Aaron, the Torah is not, uh, you know, not reluctant to say this. But there are 13 places, apparently, where it says, and therefore I might make a mistake and think he spoke to both of them, and the Torah needs to clarify this with 13 mutim to tell you it doesn't mean that he spoke to both of them, he spoke to Moshe, and he told them to speak to Aaron. So why does the Torah do this? Why? What is the meaning of this? So I'd like to explain this with um, something that says in the Moira. Now, usually I like to, um, I, I, when, I, when I quote something, 
I like to read from the text. To read from the text of the Myra, I mean, usually for, the, for, the, for all these last few months, I've been quoting for the Myra, but it really is like uh, not feasible to quote from the text of the Myra. It's uh, very long and convoluted. But now, if you all forgive me, I will quote from the summary that I wrote, which really is basically, it's not, it's not his Lashon HaKadosh, but it's, it's what he says. So in, in Chelek Beis Perk Memalef, he says, he says that, that in the Nevuah, the Novi sees a Malach and the Malach talks to him. In another form, the communication takes place in a dream or a vision, and there's no mention of an angel. The prophet thinks he hears his prophecy from God. Nonetheless, it is understood that the prophecy came through an angel. All Nevuah, says the Rambam, all Nevuah comes through a Malach, except for the Nevuah of Moshe, which Moshe was pal Pedro Bashlam, spoke to him directly. All Nevuah would come from a Malach. Now, uh, when we learned in, in Pasha's Vayera, we spoke about the Rambam, what he says in the Moira, that uh, the Malachim's visit to Avram was a Nevuah. It didn't actually happen. It was a vision that took place. So we pointed out at the time that in this Nevuah there was Avram and there was Sarah. Sarah was also a Nevuah. She also spoke to the Malachim. So in the same Nevuah you could have two Nevuah. You could have two Nevuah that, that both are in the same Nevuah. Avram and Sarah were in the same Nevoah. Now, when it says, Vaidabra Hashem el Moshe vel Aaron, then they are both having a Nevoah, and they are both in the same Nevoah. Moshe, when the Rabban Shalom is speaking only to Moshe, when Aaron is not having a Nevoah, he's not involved. The Rabban Shalom is speaking to Moshe, and he tells him, go speak to Aaron. So then Aaron is outside of the Nevoah and Moshe will convey to Aaron whatever the Rabban Shalom said. But when it says, Vaidabra Hashem al Moshe Aaron, they are both in the Nevoah. Moshe is having a Nevoah and Aaron is having a Nevoah. However, says the Rabbi Dram says, that this does not mean that the Rabban Shalom is talking to Aaron in the same way that he's talking to Moshe. To Moshe is Pel Peh. Aaron has to hear from a Malach. And who is the Malach? Moshe is the Malach. In the Nevoah, Rambam says very often that Moshe is, Moshe is called a Malach because he's the Shliach of the Rabban Shalom. So the Rabban Shalom could send Gavriel in somebody's Nevoah to give him a message. The Rabban Shalom could send Moshe in somebody's Nevoah to give him a message. So Aaron is having a Nevoah. But the Nevoah that he's having, he's hearing it from Moshe, who is here, who himself, Moshe himself, is hearing it directly from the Rabbanu Shalom. So these 13 places, Aaron and Moshe are both in the Nevoah. However, the Pasuk, the Pasuk, the Miyutim tell you, Vadabasha may love, Lemayit is Aaron, that the way the Rabbanu Shalom was speaking to Moshe in this Nevoah, does not include Aaron. Aaron heard it from Moshe in the Nevoah, hearing it from Amalach. Okay. Now, I'd like to say something global to the whole Pasha of Korbanas. It's well known that the Rambam says in the Moira that Korbanas, the reason why people have Korbanas, well, you have Korbanas, is because the Avdi Abayi had Korbanas. And people are really upset about this. 
because they don't understand it. They don't know what he's saying. So I'd like to actually over here clarify what is the sheet of the Rambam about these things. And it's really very, very important and very illuminating. The Rambam says like this. He says like this. Um, he brings the two psukim. He says, Ator eis lo das, ki Hashem hu elekim, and vidat ha yoyim vashemoyse lo vavecha, ki Hashem hu elekim. He says, the Iker is Yidiyas Hashem. This is the Rambam Shita, Kaseida through the Moira, and in the Shmoyin Prokim, and in the Mada, Sefer HaMada, and you study that Torah, the Iker is Yidiyas Hashem. That's what a person's life is supposed to be about, about recognizing the Rebbeinu Shleilam. Be makir the Rebbeinu Shleilam, to think about him all the time, to think about what he does, to, to get a Hasoge. Of course, we cannot be masig the, the Midas of the Rebbeinu Shleilam, but as we spoke uh, different times, or maybe more in the future, that there's a certain way that we can know about him. We could know what he's not, for instance, which is one of the Rambam's famous scientists over here. And, and we can know what he does. So there's a lot that we can think about the, about the, the Rebbeinu Shlom. And that is what we're supposed to do. So he says like this. Should a prophet tell us that we should not pray, fast, or seek his help in times of trouble, but rather that we should worship God through our thoughts alone, we would find this extremely difficult. Long and deep contemplation on the knowledge of the divine is certainly a higher level of service. Nonetheless, people will find it extremely difficult to change abruptly to such a mode of worship. He says that people are used to praying. When you come to their gods, they pray. When it comes to Rabbani Shalom, when we daven to tefillah is very important, but there's two aspects of tefillah. This tefillah is Avodah Shabbat's tefillah, that we talk about the Rabbani Shalom, who he is, what he does. But there's another aspect of tefillah where we're asking our tzrochem. says, to ask our tzrochem, says the Rambam, is a big bedi eved. And you understand this, because if you're supposed to totally focus that Hashem Kim Einoid Milvadoi, and you're asking your tzrochem, you're immediately creating two rishuyas, a separation between the Rabbani Shalom and you. There's the Rabbani Shalom, what he needs, what he wants, and there's me, what I need. And that, Be'etzim, is not the best way of serving the Rabbani Shalom. The best way of serving the Rabbani Shalom is completely focused and to be misbeinen on the Rabbani Shalom. But that's very hard, especially since people are accustomed to asking for the tzrachim. So therefore we have that, uh, you know, you daven for your needs in times of, uh, in times of trouble, you daven for that. If you're truly on the highest level, you wouldn't, you, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't ask for anything. You wouldn't think about yourself. You would just think about the Rabbani Shalom. But that's not Lema'itza. People need to ask for the tzrachim. They need to fast. What is fasting about? Fasting is again about yourself. It's not about his mindness and the Rabbani Shalom. And the Iker is, that is the Iker. This is what the Rambam legs are back first as an example. Now he says like this. Now he talks about Kabbalahs. He says, similarly, same way. In those times, it would have been extremely difficult for people 
to abandon their accustomed modes of worship abruptly. Therefore, God incorporated rituals into the Torah that closely resemble those pagan rituals. The people could then perform those familiar rituals, but instead of directing their thoughts to the pagan gods, they would direct their thoughts to God. This is the, this is the purpose of this. Now, later, later in, this is in, this is in Chela Gimel, Perak Lamed Beis. Later, in Chela Gimel, Perak Mem Dalad. So, the Rambam, the Rambam was a very big expert on pagan rituals, on what they did the Avdavad Zorah. There are two books that he quotes all the time. One is called The Book of Tam Tam. And the, I, you know, I googled it, I couldn't find a copy. But The Book of Tam Tam. And the other book is called uh, The Book of Nabataean Agriculture. And these are this is these books have uh, record all the different customs that they had, and the Rambam apparently was quite uh, familiar with it, and he quotes from it a lot. And this is what he says about how the Kabbalists, the, the Seder of the Avod of the Kabbalists, says like this: the Egyptians worshipped the Aries constellation, the sign of the ram, revered sheep, and never slaughtered them. Other pagans worshipped demons. They thought demons take on the form of goats, and therefore they refrained from eating goats. Most pagans viewed cattle with great reference. Many in India do not slaughter cattle, even in modern times. Modern times. Therefore, to eradicate these ideas, the Torah deliberately commanded that sacrifices be brought from cattle, sheep, and goats. The very act that pagans considered the greatest crime was transformed into the pathway to God and His forgiveness. Ideas are more effectively counteracted by the diametrically opposed ideas. By doing, they, they revered the, the, the sheep and we slaughtered them. Then he says later, the custom of the pagans was to use only leavened bread for their rites, only chametz they used. They also sweetened their offerings with honey. Therefore, the Torah disallows leavened bread or honey on the altar. The pagans, however, never use salt in their offerings. They never use salt. Therefore, the Torah commands that salt be used in our offerings. Now, I understand briskrus lamelech and salt, that's good. But the reason why the Torah chose, the Rambam holds, the reason why the Torah chose put melech on korbanis is to go lehedya, the opposite of what the, of what the pagans did. Then he says like this. The pagans considered blood repugnant. Nonetheless, they consumed it because they considered it the food of the spirits. They thought that by sharing food with the spirits, they would become conjoined with them and gain knowledge of future events. Some pagans could not bring themselves to consume blood. Instead, they would slaughter an animal, drain its blood into a vessel, and eat the flesh in its vicinity. They thought that in this way, spirits would come to share the meal with them, that a bond would thus be established, and that the spirits would then come to them in dreams and reveal the future to them. These beliefs were generally accepted in the pagan world. Now, contrary to the beliefs of the pagans, the Torah considers blood to be pure. It can even purify things that are impure. During the, the Avaida, blood was sprinkled on the altar, the role of blood in the Avodah was all about pouring it out rather than collecting it. Even in private use, the blood of slaughtered animals was not to be collected. You had to spill it on the ground. Again, everything, all these things are 
go exactly the opposite of what the what the Avdiyavaydazar did. Now, so the Rambam says. Um, here, God in his wisdom allowed the people to be weaned away from the pagan cults by preserving the religious rituals to which they were accustomed while discarding the pagan gods they had previously worshipped. Oh. So this is what he says. Now I just I want, uh, I have a footnote here which I would like to read to you that uh, the author certainly does not mean that the sacrifices are intrinsically meaningless that they performed only as a charade for the mollification of reformed pagans. No. Ritual is an important method of giving substance and expression to feelings and thoughts. We know this. Rituals are very important. Judaism is replete with rituals. Everything we do is rituals. Pesach is rituals. Purim is rituals. Putting on films is ritual. Putting on tzitzes is a ritual. With everything is rituals. Rituals make, make the religious feelings concrete. God could have formulated worship rituals of any kind and infused them with deeper meanings and symbolism. He chose instead to use sacrifices because they would ease the transition from paganism to Judaism. And once he chose these rituals, they are infused with the holiness of his worship. So this is what he chose. He took the, the, the carbonus, which they were used to. He changed the very critical elements of them. They should be the opposite of what they were before. And then this is how they, they uh, and this is how he brought them closer to them with familiar. Okay. Now, then he asks the question. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but he asks the question. So why didn't why didn't he make them why didn't he make that people should not need the korbanas? So he brings he says that when it came to um, he didn't take the merchderes plishtim because they were uh, afraid and they'd run away. So therefore he took them into the desert. So the Rambam says he took them into the desert to toughen them up. They should they should go through. Hardships, they should learn to be have courage and to be strong. And then when they come to Israel, they'll be able to have the courage to fight. So he asked the question, so why didn't the Rabbi Shalom give them courage? Why didn't he just give them courage? So the Rambam says a very big aside over here. He says, were God to have brought the people directly to a stage for which they were not prepared, it would have required a miracle. It is notable that in all the miracles chronicled in the Torah and the Prophets, elements in nature are miraculously altered, but human nature is never miraculously altered. Although God has the power to alter people as He wishes, His will is not to tamper with human nature. If He wished to perfect people miraculously, the giving of the Torah and the missions of the prophets would all have been unnecessary. If he wanted to do Nisim to make people perfect, so why did he have to give people Torah and Mitzvahs? He could have just made them perfect. Teret says, Rabbanisham, he does, does Nisim in nature, he changes situations, but a person, what he is, is his own work. 
He cannot, the Rebbein will not take a person and change his human nature. So since the people were coming out of the world of and this is what they were accustomed to, in order to change their nature, that they would be able to be makabal, a new motive of avoida, which is different from that, and to make it that they would be able to handle that, that would require a nest. And the Rebbein doesn't do nisim to change what people are. This is what the Rambam says on the topic of Karbanas. So what the Rambam is saying Karbanas, he's not saying that they were used to it, they gave it to them. Rambam is saying something very deep. He's saying that people, you know, you want, you want to take people and put them in a different place, and people can deal with radical change. They need to go be transitioned. So you have to give them things that they used to so they could transition from that. At the same time, whatever minhagim that they had, the pagans, he did. He put into the korbanis the exact opposite. They took the blood and put it in a container. They didn't because they thought, yeah, and the, because the Torah is repugnant, he said, no, you, you spritz it on the Mizbeach, it can be metair, even in your house, you don't put it in a vessel, you don't collect it, you have to spill it on the ground. This is, this is what the Rambam says, and this is how he explains the idea of Kobanas. And I think if you really look at what the Rambam says, and understand what he's saying, what he's saying makes a lot of sense. That's not the way people think. Okay, I just want to say something about, about a little bit related to Purim. Um, you know, the Gemara says in Megillah, okay, I didn't bring a Megillah, but everybody knows the Gemara. Come, Rabbi Veshachta Rav Zaira. Rabbi invited Rav Zaira to come to him for the Purim Suda, and uh, they drank a lot. And Rabbi got up and he killed Rav Zaira. So then he, he made, they made a nest, he brought him back. Did he actually kill him, or was it only very, very badly wounded? The Mashot talks about that. But he did something really, really, you know, a felony. And <laughs> how does Rabbi do this? How does Rabbi do this? He's like, what is he like? Uh, you know, he gets drunk, all of a sudden he becomes, you know, violent, and he says, the, you know, this is Rabbi, you know, from the greatest Amiroyim. How does that happen? Another question is when it comes to Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva. 24,000 Talmidim died. Why? They were not respectful to each other. So there's two questions. First of all, okay, so they weren't respectful. Why did they die? I mean, since when is that a capital offense not to be respectful? And second of all, how could it be that Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, and they learned by him, and they sat by his feet and learned by him, and, and they were so mushpa from him, how could it be that they didn't have their hairs for each other? How could such a thing be? So I want to say like this. The Gemara all over has, has like, Amaroyim saying very harsh things to each other. I think he doesn't have a brain in his head. That's <laughs> what they say to each other. They say, uh, Rab said this, he must have been asleep when he said this memra. What's with the, you know, what's with these, and you know, Rahman Islam died to the dach, Rahman Islam died to the dach. I mean, 
you know, I some you know some people try to, to you know give some apologetics or maybe, but that's what it. But Gemara says very clearly what they say to each other, and it's pretty pretty harsh, you know. So I think the pshat is like this. Um, you know, Baron Kotler famously when he said a shear and somebody would ask him a kasha which was like wrong, he would explode. Bura Moritz, he would explode at him. And you know, he got, he got the, and afterwards he would apologize. But at the time he would explode. And uh, you see Bismedrish, people sitting and learning, you know, they're they're you know, all they're screaming at each other. Why? I mean it's not you know, you see people who are math students when they talk, or scientists, when they talk to each other, even if they're disagreeing and arguing, I mean, maybe it happens once in a while, but they don't scream at each other all of a sudden. I mean, they screams. Why are they screaming? So, this is really Rizcha Deiraisa. The Torah is like a flame. The Torah, I heard Abnayach Weinberg once said that why, why, um, why when a person learns these things, where a person is reading a math book, he doesn't sing. So he said, because when you're learning, your neshama sings. Neshama is neshama is singing. Neshama is also raging. When you're coming to Torah, the neshama is is on fire, and everything that in the Torah it's important. It's getting leben. It's like you know, it's 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 a volcano. It's a rischa Raisa. a tremendous rischa Raisa. So, I mean, some people have it like on a very great extent, like Baran, and some people, Bachram and Yeshiva, maybe they see people behaving like that, they also do it. But there's, there's a risk there. You get, you're getting into learning, there's a risk there. The Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, Leinogel covers Zebezer. The reason why Leinogel covers Zebezer, because they had risk de Raisa. The Torah was burning in them. And they, and they, I mean, the Gemara, that's the Gemara is saying. The Gemara is saying that they said, uh, uh, This is Rizcha Raisa. This is the Amaroyim, the, 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 the Torah is a raging fire in them. And when you're saying something which they disagree with, they will explode and they'll say, no, but it, but it happens only rarely in the Gemara. And the, and the Gemara records it. The Gemara could have just left it out. Why is it there? It's there to show you the Rizcha Deiraisa of the Amiroyim, that they were, f- if you learn the Gemara properly, you understand these are not just a bunch of bums in a bar who are screaming at each other. This is Kedosh Elyon. This is the, 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 the Amiroyim of the Gemara. And when they are, fi- when it explodes out of them, such a statement, it, may, it gives you a, a, a peak into the Rizcha Deraisa that's burning in the Neshamas. This is why the Gemara records it. The Talmidim of Rabbi Kiva, they could not control their Rizcha Deraisa. It didn't just happen, sometimes it burst out a statement. But all the time, they could not control their Rizcha Deraisa. So therefore, if they could not control the Rizcha Deraisa, they could not stay in this life and then go out and become Rabbonim and Rosh Hashivas if they could not control their Rizcha Deraisa. Rabban Rav Zeira. Rabban Rav Zeira. Who are Rabban Rav Zeira? 
Rabbi Rav Zeira Bari Plukta. All the time in the Gemara, Machlekes Rabbi Rav Zeira, Rabbi Rav Zeira, they were Bari Plukta. I mean, they loved each other. They were they, they they were best of friends, but they fought. They fought battles all the time, and they were Bari Plukta. But the, and, and the risk of their ice that they had that that they had was under control. Maybe sometimes they would make some kind of a, a statement, maybe or maybe not. But it was under control. But they were Bari Plukta on Purim when it came to them for the Suda. What do you think they were talking about? Were they talking about the chlesvos? Uh, what kind of costumes people are wearing? They were talking and learning. And they had opposite views in learning. And they started got into an argument. And the Rizcha de Raisa could not be controlled because they had drank, they had drunk too much. So the Rizcha de Raisa exploded. And Rabbah went and he killed Rab Zaira because it was totally uncontrolled Rizcha de Raisa. But Baruch Hashem, he brought him back to life. Then the next year he invited him again. And he said, <laughs> You don't have a nest happen every year. I'm gonna I'm gonna have shachas with you when it's not Purim. Then then we will have our pluktas, then we will have our machlaikas and and uh, your your ischa will be under control. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And Yat Hashem next week we will do Pasha Sav and a little bit about Purim. Thank you.